Hello, this is Sinta Eberson from Fair Divorce, and today is actually Youth Day in South Africa, and I'm glad that we are going to be discussing a lot of matters around divorce that actually affects children in a big way. And we're also doing this in preparation of celebrating a Global Fair Divorce Day, which is on the 25th of June. And with me here today is retired judge Philip Marcus who's going to speak to us about his experience and his perspectives on what a fair divorce should be or could be. Welcome and thank you for being here again. Thank you, Sinta. It's a pleasure to be here. Please tell us, um, in your experience as a retired family court judge in Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. What, what have you experienced? Um, how are divorces in general? Are they, can we declare them fair or not fair? And what would we have to do? What, how would it have to happen to make a divorce a fair process? All right, those, those are big questions. Uh, I practiced family law in England before I moved to Israel, then practiced family law uh, as a lawyer for 15 years. I spent 17 years in the family court. And since I took early retirement uh, nine years ago, I've been studying and working on the topic, not representing parties, but researching and seeing what are best practices uh, here and around the world. Um, there are a number of uh, issues as to whether divorces are fair or not. Fair, of course, is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. Um, one person may feel fine that uh, that person uh, is satisfied with the result and the other person may be extremely unsatisfied with the result. Um, so that uh, using the word fair is, is a little unfair, if I may say so. Uh, I, I think the focus should be on how uh, couples who decide they're going to separate should properly organise things in the interests of their children. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the parents' promise. Uh, this is a relatively new project. Uh, uh, I will, if you give me permission, can I share screen and uh, put up the parents' promise? Is that possible? Please, please do that. Um, let okay, let me see uh, if I've got it in an appropriate place. Hold on. Um, all right, let me just tell you about it while I'm looking for it on, on my screen. The Parents' Promise is a document which uh, is uh, intended to be signed by both parents and it's addressed to the child mm -hmm. uh, and it says to the child um, how, if it should happen that the parents are going to separate, then how they promise to conduct matters. Um, uh, the, the important thing is that it's addressed to the child. In other words, the parents are uh, binding themselves to recognize the needs of the child as being paramount when they decide to separate or get divorced. That, of course, depends on the parents being made aware in advance of the fact that parental separation is not just a matter between them. Uh, I, I see I'm having trouble finding the uh, the slide. All right, not the end of the world. Um, the, the, the parents, in fact, couples who decide to have children, 
should be made aware from the very outset that if they do have children, they have responsibilities to the children. And these responsibilities uh, subsist, uh, whether or not they're living together, whether or not they're married, whether or not they're divorced or separated. Uh, and so uh, one of the ways that I'm trying to advance to prevent child children from suffering when the parents get divorced is a, a, a program of really uh, information for parents as to what happens to children when the parents separate or get divorced. Mm -hmm. uh, and even in the best circumstances, the child experiences uh, a tremendous shock the child uh, goes through a period of uh, terrible uh, uncertainty. Um, it can range from where am I going to live? If mommy and daddy are living separately, where am I going to live? Or am I going to live with both of them at different times? Uh, if I have to move away from my home and from my school and from my friends, what's going to happen to me? Yes. Will I still have contact with my grandparents and my uncles and aunts yes. and with my friends? We've spoken in a previous discussion about parental alienation, yes. uh, which uh, cuts the child off from all these possible sources of support. But the child whose parents are separating is going to be asking all of these questions. Uh, the child is going to be asking, uh, what am, where is Teddy going to be? Where yes. is my dolly going to be? Uh, Dolly and a teddy can be very important transitional objects for a child. Uh, I, I've uh, suggested a, a program which when the child is handed over, uh, there is in fact a handing over of the transitional object as well in order to uh, reduce stress on the child when the child is moving from one parent to another. Uh, the child is also going to undergo stress um, in later years because the child is not experiencing what we would call normative couple relationships. Yes. The child may well have been exposed, um, uh, not necessarily with the uh, children, the parents' uh, desire to do so. The child certainly has picked up the distress and picked up the stress and picked up the arguments or the lack of uh, warmth between the parents. The child is liable to go through the following thought process. Mommy and daddy loved each other. Now they don't love each other. Mommy and daddy say they love me. Maybe they won't love me anymore. Mm -hmm. This is a terrible thing for a child to have to go through. And therefore, the parents, uh, if they are properly attuned to the needs of the child, they will work all these things out in advance before they inform the child that they're going to separate. And the process of informing the child also requires a deep thought and, and professional advice if it's available. But they will be considering things like, um, what support systems does the child have outside the parents in order to help him or her get through? It may be a teacher, it may be a, a, a relative who is acceptable to the mother and the father and is not aligned with one of them. It, it may be the school counselor in Israel, we have a big brother program uh, for children of divorce, uh, so that there, there will be a, 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 an older, uh, a young person, maybe a student, um, who's been through it and will able to be able to ask the questions and, and a shoulder, if not to cry on, at least somebody who's experienced. 
These are all things that the parents have to think about before they make the decision to divorce and certainly before they, um, they, they speak to the child. So that as soon as these questions arise, as soon as the child raises these questions, they will have answers available. Now, all of this assumes that the parents are able to get over their own anger and grief uh, at the separation. Uh, and this cannot always be assumed. Uh, and the, the cases which come to court, the cases which end up uh, with what we call high conflict, uh, are those in which the parents uh, have not got over their rage. They, they have not stopped blaming the, the other party for the failure of the dream uh, of living happily ever after. Um, uh, and uh, therefore, it's necessary that uh, as soon as the case comes to the attention of the social services or of a psychologist or of the court, the parents be given the, the help that they need in order not only to get past their anger and grief, but also to develop uh, the appropriate approach and the appropriate need, uh, answers to the needs of the children. Uh, in Israel, uh, as I may have mentioned, uh, you cannot simply file your claim in court. You have to file in court an application for dispute resolution, which is referred to the social workers in the court, the family court social services. And there the parties have to go through three sessions in which they're given information about the separation and divorce process and what it might do to the children. They're given recommendations uh, to use alternative dispute resolution after they've been informed about the terrible damage that can be done by adversarial proceedings, including referrals to, uh, to mediation uh, and collaborative divorce uh, and the other methods of dealing with cases without having a confrontation in court. Uh, and they're also uh, helped to resolve immediate issues, like for example, uh, where, where and how the child is going to be with both of the parents um, uh, and where the handover is gonna take place and what times and who's responsible for transporting the child. And uh, it, it's been our experience, this process has been now going for four years, I think, that in many cases, uh, by going uh, at the, the early stage to the social services, many of the, these problems can be resolved by agreement. And then the agreement is brought to the court. There may even be a complete uh, uh, arrangement uh, dealing with all issues, including uh, the, where the children are going to be, including uh, child support, including property division. But uh, it's our experience that if you can uh, uh, help parents to reach agreement on some things, then they cease to regard the entire process as a battlefield. Uh, and they start thinking about resolving the other issues uh, by, uh, by agreement or, or by compromise and so on. Yes, that seems like a really uh, wonderful idea. Does it mean there's a whole process that takes place between the parents before the children are even notified of the intention to the, the, That is the ideal situation. Mm. The ideal situation is that parents 
uh, are first of all, as I say, exposed to the damage that can be done if the separation and the divorce are not uh, carried out, uh, taking into account the needs of the child. Uh, and then, uh, the, the, so, so the, the first stage, of course, is, is uh, a public campaign of guidance uh, for, for people. Uh, I, I even go, for, go so far as to say you know, divorces might be avoided yes. if we gave young men and young women who are considering relationships uh, the elementary tools to assess whether the relationship is likely to succeed. There are issues where um, if they, their communication uh, between them is not as it should be, mm -hmm. uh, or if they have different approaches to resolving problems, mm -hmm. um, then uh, we are considering a program for high school kids. Mm -hmm. So when they're taught about relationship education, they should also be taught about how to uh, select a partner uh, on the basis that this is going to be a, a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. and, the, uh, and if they're going to have children, then they're going to have a long-term relationship with the children. So, so the, 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 there's a great deal to be done on, on the educational uh, line. Mm. Then there needs to be, uh, and, and this is something that we're working on at this moment in Israel, uh, a document which will be given to uh, couples or to individuals who are considering divorce, in which they'll be given a, a list uh, of, of what things are liable to happen if they don't conduct their divorce properly. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we are at the moment uh, considering whether the, the document should start with horror stories um, <laughs> about what happens to kids when their parents get divorced badly and then tell them, give them reassurance that this probably will not happen if you do things properly. Yes, that would be uh, effective. We're consulting with uh, the, the group I'm working with, mm. consists of a, a, a highly experienced social worker, a mm. mediator, a child psychologist, uh, and me as, as a uh, law sort of person. Mm. Uh, and uh, we're going to be working on how, how to, what the tone of this document is going to mm. be, uh, whether we really want it to be scary and then let them down or whether we don't want to frighten people off so they won't read, won't read past the first paragraph. The, these, are, these are issues which uh, we're going to have to consider. Yes, it's important but, that people realize the harsh reality of what actually goes on out there in divorces. So yeah, I think an element of shock would be effective. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know, for example, that a child who feels that uh, there is no support at home will try and find support outside. Mm. That means that a, a boy may join a gang and find the gang leader to be a father figure, replacing yes. the, the father. A, a girl may uh, seek um, warmth in the wrong place with the wrong person. Um, uh, and uh, all the, 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 the children, the youngsters, may look to alcohol or even drugs in order to relieve their pain. Uh, and these are outcomes that we see every day uh, in the courts, in the juvenile courts, where, where there are, uh, there's a need for care and protection or where uh, children, uh, youngsters get involved in crime, um, either as members of gangs or in order to 
finance, uh, drug habit, and, and so on. Yes. So, so the, these are the, the horror stories. There is another aspect, of course, and that is how you conduct the proceedings if the case comes to court. Mm -hmm. And here you need um, uh, two or three things. First of all, you need that lawyers who handle these cases should be trained and should be sensitive to what's going on with the children. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've heard of cases all over the world where uh, uh, a mother, a wife comes and says she wants to get divorced. And the lawyer says, right, the first thing we're going to do is get an exclusion order against the husband. Yeah. That is barbaric. Mm -hmm. If there is no grounds for an exclusion order, if there are grounds, of course, if there's been abuse, if there's been violence, mm -hmm. then you can certainly go for an exclusion order. Yes. But a lawyer who advises a client to get an exclusion order uh, on no basis whatsoever, simply because it will... Uh, afford some kind of tactical and strategic advantage uh, in the proceedings. That lawyer should be disbarred. Yes. But it doesn't always reach that level. It may be a lawyer who, who just has no experience in family law and is uh, helping his brother-in-law or helping a friend or a colleague at work. Uh, and family law is a complicated matter. The law itself and the procedures are complicated. Mm -hmm. But a lawyer who does not know about uh, and at least uh, the, the basics of uh, child development, the basics of psychology, the basics of uh, dispute resolution, uh, the, the lawyer who does not know what his client is going through is liable to run the case as a regular civil case with the object to be to, uh, to defeat yes. the other party. That's the last thing that the children need. The children need the parents to come to some kind of equilibrium, not that one parent should be the custodial parent and the other should only have visitation. Yeah. Uh, we're working on abolishing the terminology of custody mm -hmm. uh, and visitation. We're talking about parental responsibilities. I understand that's yeah. something like that is happening in, in South Africa yeah. and, and it's in other jurisdictions and that's very welcome. It also requires, uh, as well as lawyers who need to be trained and, and uh, knowledgeable and sensitive, you also need judges who are appointed on the basis of their knowledge and experience in the field mm. and take on family court because they want to, not simply because they're rotated through it uh, in order to uh, get ahead in the system. Uh, in Israel, the family court's law in 1995 says that in order to be a judge in the family court, uh, the, there shall be a search for lawyers who have experience and knowledge in the field. Mm. Uh, and if you're appointed to the family court, you're only appointed to the family court if you want to be. Yes. And you know that you're gonna be in that family court for five or 10 or 12 years mm. uh, until you get promoted, if you want to be promoted, um, so that uh, th there is a process of, of obtaining experience uh, if you're in a specialist family court, there are other judges you can consult with. There are compulsory seminars for judges every year in the family court. So if you have a specialist court with judges who are aware of the situation, then there's a, a greater possibility that matters will be handled in a way that uh, does not aggravate the situation. 
Just as, and, and, uh, as I've said, one, one more thing, the family courts in Israel have a social services unit, which is attached to the court, mm -hmm. which means that if uh, the parties need to be referred to social workers, uh, that can be done in a matter of minutes. The yeah. social services office is in the court building. Uh, and uh, so we can have a social worker consult with the parties or one of them. Um, you know, uh, uh, it's a matter of a phone call and, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, there'll be a social worker on the scene. Uh, and obviously the social workers will continue, as I said, in the process of uh, the preliminary uh, in, interviews, and they will also, uh, uh, shall we say, make the, um, the, 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 the knives less sharp, uh, make the process more one of consul consultation and collaboration uh, than one of uh, adversarial uh, battle. Yes. Just uh, if I can just take a step back to the training of the legal professionals in your country, do they have any training in psychology, for example? Certainly the judges do. Um, once in every few years, uh, there will be a, uh, a seminar which will be devoted to children and they will have lectures from psychologists and from social workers, uh, people who are experienced in, in the relevant uh, fields, uh, and those will be made available. In addition, because there is a social services unit attached to the court, in, in the court where I served, we would have meetings, the judges and the social workers and the psychologist, there's a psychologist who's attached to the unit, would meet from time to time okay. uh, and discuss issues. Uh, and, and they'd make, have a guest lecturer to talk about a particular uh, issue. Uh, so, so that the, the, the court is considered to be, uh, you know, there is a, a, a system called therapeutic jurisprudence. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I renamed it in an article I wrote that was published in the International Journal of Law and Psychiatry mm -hmm. about judicial therapy. Yes because the, the decision that the judge makes, if it's informed mm -hmm. by uh, a knowledge of psychology and, and child development, mm -hmm. uh, the court itself can have a therapeutic role without losing its authority. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, um, one of the things that uh, I, I spoke about last time, I think, is where there is parental alienation, where, where the child is not seeing a parent. Mm -hmm. So a judge who is properly informed about these things will know how to analyze the situation, will know when it's necessary to get an expert involved, yeah. will be familiar also with the terminology that the expert psychologist or psychiatrist mm -hmm. or social worker is using, mm -hmm. will be familiar with the range of uh, remedies or answers that can be given. Mm -hmm. uh, and will will give the force of a judgment or a decision to whatever uh, therapeutic or social uh, remedies are being suggested mm -hmm. and will enforce them yes so that as well as you know writing a, a, a good decision taking account of all the therapeutic uh, and uh, other issues uh, the court also will exercise its authority to make sure that uh, the, the orders are in fact being complied with. Uh, and as regards lawyers, so uh, as I say, that there are lawyers who, who, who practice family law, that is their particular area. Uh, and there are 
unfortunately sharks like there are in any ocean mm -hmm. uh, and there are also lawyers who are more uh, aware of their uh, responsibilities to the children even though the child may not be the client um, uh, and uh, there are you know there are seminars being held I've taken part in them uh, in order to educate the lawyers as to the do's and don'ts what what, what they should be doing and how they should be handling the case and, and what they should avoid um, when they're conducting a case in, involving children. Something of particular um, concern in South Africa also and I'm sure in many parts of the world is lawyers don't get trained in psychology. So what happens when a lawyer gets a client who is a person with malicious um, intentions or a person with personality disorders and is driving a case for alienation or false accusations and things? And if the lawyer is not trained to recognize or identify such behavior, they're going to act in good faith, believing that they are acting in the best interest of their client. So, so this is a uh, an international issue, as you say, that uh, uh, lawyers who uh, are trained only as lawyers and are not aware of all the uh, surrounding issues are liable to make mistakes and are liable to mislead the court, uh, and you know, without any evil intention. Yes, but that can happen. Um, uh, and and uh, again, in a situation where the judges also have no training uh, in the area or have no interest in the area. Uh, I've been to places around the world where a judge is forced to deal with family cases for two years or one year, uh, and they don't want to. They may have a, a mashed up home life when they were kids or even going on. Yes. Uh, the, the, they find the whole issue of family law very threatening. I even heard of, of one judge who made sure that the family cases were in the afternoon so he could go to the pub at lunchtime and have a two or three whiskies in order to prepare himself yeah. for the family cases that were coming up because he so much did not want to do it. Yes. Um, uh, uh, and and uh, so, so if it were up to me, uh, I, I would have a compulsory uh, course in, in law school or in university. Um, for, for uh, law students to be exposed to, to what can happen if family cases go wrong. Uh, I, I would hope then many of the lawyers would simply say, right, I don't want to do family law. Or if they get a family law case coming in the door of the office, they'll say, I'll refer, refer you to uh, the Mr. Bloggs down the road, who's a family expert. They won't take these cases because they simply won't, uh, they simply realize that they, they are not competent. Mm. And the same applies, of course, to social workers, social, social studies students. Mm. The same applies to teachers. We do a lot of work with teachers in order to alert teachers to the signs of distress in a child. Uh, and if that can be associated with parental strife, yes. then the school counselors are, are being told that you need to call in the parents and say, look, little Johnny or little Janie is suffering yeah. uh, and, and you should be getting help with your parental strife. So it applies to medical students. They also need to be exposed. It doesn't need to be a long session. It could be one hour lecture a year. Mm. But if you, if you simply uh, expose them to that, then uh, you've got a better chance of getting better results down the line when these people get qualified. 
Yes, it seems like there are a lot of um, places where we can apply this education just to create an awareness of it. Um, yep. All around, like you said, at the schools, it's important for, and also I think to a certain degree, obviously in an age-appropriate manner, children who are teenagers or adolescents might also be a benefit from being made aware of signs of alienation or something. I've, I've no, I've no, uh, I've no doubt that that should be. Uh, that's the ideal. And let me just uh, see if I can put up this slide now uh, of the parents' promise. Um, That's a wonderful idea, actually. Let me just uh, see if I can uh, get it up. Hold mm -hmm. on. Uh, share screen. Um, where are we? It sometimes takes a moment. It's not working. Hold on. Let me just get it up somewhere else. No, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Let me just read it out to you. All right, that'll work. Uh, it's very, it's very short. Maybe you can uh, read it to me, and I can just share, uh, uh, share it with whoever listens to this interview. Yeah. So, so the the um, uh, the parents' promise reads as follows: Dear so and so, you put in the child's name. The parents say, whatever happens in our relationship with each other, we. One parent's name, the other parent's name. Promise to put your needs first by always recognizing that we are both your parents. You have a need for a relationship with each of us and your wider family. We will never make you choose between us. We promise uh, to put your needs first by loving you and keeping you safe, while always being respectful to one another. As your parents, we will never hurt or tell lies about each other. We also promise that working together as a partnership to provide for you and to create the best conditions for you to thrive, even if we are living apart. That you can get, you can find that um, on, the, on the web, it's called The Parents Promise. Mm -hmm. um, and I also want to tell you about another organization I'm working with. Mm -hmm. It's called Two Wishes, the Two Wishes Foundation. Yes. This is an international organization uh, which was set up a bit over a year ago by uh, basically three of us. David Curl, who has a very successful organization called For Kids' Sake in Australia, mm -hmm. by uh, Dr. Nick Child, who is a retired child psychiatrist from Edinburgh, yes. whom you may know. Uh, and I was also involved in setting it up. And they have a fantastic website mm -hmm. with a, a tremendous amount of information for um, everybody. Basically, okay. yes. um, so uh, it would be a good idea uh, to look up the Two Wishes Foundation uh, and and look at their website Fantastic. because these, these are tremendous um, uh, sources of information and of guidance uh, and of how to uh, and the vision of Two Wishes, uh, as we say, it's Two Wishes. Every child should have three wishes. A child whose parents separate, the first wish is that mom and dad should get back together again. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the second wish is, uh, I want to get through this safe and sound and set up my own family. Mm -hmm. and the third wish is that no child should have to go through um, a, a, a terrible, messy uh, and obnoxious uh, situation when the parents get divorced. Uh, so, you know, we're programming now uh, for publicity materials, 
we're programming now, uh, I'm putting together a group of judges from different countries, including a judge from Cape Town, um, who will uh, subscribe to these ideas. We are talking about a, a, a sort of paradigm Mm. as to how children, how parents should get separated and divorced in the interest of their children. Uh, and, uh, you know, it'd be very good for you, Sinta, and anybody who's interested uh, to look at that. And if you want to join the programs, uh, that would also be a splendid idea. That sounds wonderful. It's wonderful work that you've been doing. And I'll definitely look into it and follow up on that. But thank you so much for all that information and, and sharing your experience and your perspective on this. Very valuable. Um, I really appreciate it. I hope to help. and I'm at your uh, service yes. if and when you should need. Thank you. And I look forward well, to... Have a great have afternoon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.